Welcome to No Time to Waste, the podcast that inspires and motivates us to maximize our moments. I'm your host, Allison Haddon. I'm battling terminal cancer, but I'm focused on living my best life as my best self every day. Join me as I chat with resilient adventurers, seekers, trailblazers, and exceptionally good humans as we explore what it means to live fully, because there's no time to waste for all of us. You know, when I first put Nora on my dream guest list for the pod, I was in a different place, Um, a place of panic and fear and trauma, and I think it was warranted. I had just found out a new brain tumor had popped up in my routine scan, which was not expected by anyone on my medical team because it was supposed to be the other body scan, the one that I still had a week out to wait on that was supposed to be the big scan. The one that would tell us if the chemo I'd been on for the last three months was working to slow the growth of what we've learned in 2020 is a very fast moving, aggressive and focused, and I hate to say it, but it's very on brand for me personally, style of terminal cancer that wants me dead. I was holding on for dear life emotionally. I was about to find out if my time was almost up and Nora was one of the people I had very specific questions for, critical questions. I needed to get answered before my brain function deteriorated and I died. 24 hours after Nora reached out to me, my body scan results came back okay. We caught a break in the storm. So luckily, she and I just got to talk about how I start this journey as me, with my voice, my sarcasm, my brand of realness, even if it means getting my sad on other people sometimes. Let's just say it was a lot more fun than the convo I thought we'd have. And I've already got her on tape promising that this isn't our last conversation. So it was nice to not feel rushed. Here's Nora McInerney for No Time to Waste. Here we are. Here we are. Here we are. Who would have thought? Who who would have? Well, actually, to be honest, who would have thought? People that know me um, would probably have been like, you would. (laughs) You would somehow amidst probably the most... And, and, you know, there's been a lot of trauma, probably the most traumatic week, um, week and a half that I've probably had um, amidst a sea of trauma, a wonderful, um, in a, in a uh, ocean of pandemic trauma that everyone is going through. Um, the last seven days or so have been crazy. How did you reach out to me? Because all I know is on this week, I'm on Instagram, which social dilemma, I'm like, I'm getting off of it. So I was tagged in your story, but a person who follows you sent it to me. And I was like, I'll, I'll do that. Oh my God. I know who that is. And it's a stranger that I've never met. And like, there are so many gifts of all this awful shit that's happening that I'm going through. Um, I was just telling you, like, I feel like I'm in the matrix right now, but basically, you know, it was... Uh, I'm catching you up because for anybody that's listening, Nora and I have not talked before. This is literally the first time that we are communicating in person. I mean, (laughs) in 2020 person. (laughs) Um, And basically, you know, I uh, ended up uh, getting a call a a week ago about uh, my brain scan, um, even though I had a clear brain scan three months before. And, uh, I was home alone, not worried about the brain scan. I was worried about my chest scan. And, uh, they were like, are you alone? Um, how are you feeling? We found a new mass. It's on your brain stem, and, and like all this trauma kicked in. And basically that was a little over a week ago. 
while I waited for the news of the scan that we were actually worried about, which was, is the cancer um, that appeared in my chest um, in in August, has the, the chemo the last three months been working? Um, because the prognosis that I got from doctors in August, which was super gutting, was basically, I, I have less than a six-month roadmap after treatment uh, stops working. Mm. Um, so I also, having a background in marketing, um, but the dream kind of guest post that I had put together came from an existential terror and fear, personally, that I had, that I was going to find out after now getting the brain cancer news again, that uh, the chemo was not going to work and my time is running out really fast. And I literally was like, I'm going full send might as well, because somebody had asked for it on LinkedIn and they were like, who would you love to have on your podcast? I was like, I can tell you the top 10 right now. And it has nothing to do with like who has the biggest following or who it's, these are the people, these are the people whom I need to talk to. I need to talk to personally. And if they said, you got to sign an NDA and you can never tell anybody that we spoke and you can't promote it. And I would have been like, fine, bullshit. Like, I don't care. All, all I care about is each one of these people, if you tell me that I I don't have time, that I'm running out like really fast, I got to talk to these people to help me start to make this transition mm-hmm. if it's faster than I want. And in the fall, I consume content const- constantly, right? I'm just an avid learner. I was an English major. Like I'm a reader. I'm a contenter. Oh, I know. I know. <laughs> we have a lot. We have a lot of overlap. Nora. Um, but two, uh, two English majors who ended up in marketing, which will, and you're like, I'm so good at it. It's so depleting, but I'm so good at it. And what does that say about me? But it's so vapid. But then I'm good at it. Ugh. But I should be talking about Jane Austen. Yes. Yes. Back to to how you and I got here and how you reached out, you know, in the fall, uh, you know, you did a TED talk, which I actually didn't discover until I think like six weeks ago. So when I got this gutting news in August that despite the fact that I had gotten diagnosed at 38 years old in 2018 with stage three freaking breast cancer, like super fit athlete, marketing executive at a tech company. People would say I was the healthiest person I knew. It's just like- Probably a good person. It's like, why did I do all that? I think, well, some would say like, she can be a dick. Um, So, but I hope, I hope a good person. I believe a good person at my core. I don't trust people who aren't sometimes a dick. If you're not sometimes a dick, you have like something deeper and darker inside of you. Yeah. But yeah, I listened to your TED talk. And um, for those that don't know, you know, there's a, you have to, you've got to watch it. Um, and I listen to freaking TED Talks all the time. Um, you know, it's, we don't move on with grief. We move forward. And I don't know how it ended up in my freaking thing. Social dilemma. Yeah. Well, also because I did a TED Talk, TEDx, not TED, um, back in February called Confronting Death to Live a Fuller Life. And I talked a lot about death anxiety and terror management theory and basically the research. I was supposed to talk more about the research and data that explained why we as humans have such a difficult time, like talking about confronting death and and that we actually actively avoid it. I tended to leave out in that TEDx talk 
um, a bunch of the important research the entire thing was based on because we found out that I had a lemon-sized brain tumor in my frontal lobe at the time. So that's my excuse. Um, But anyway, I listened to your TED Talk about grief and loss. And for the first time, I heard myself and I heard a voice that was tackling sadness and grief and tragedy, but with humor and sarcasm and wit. And it was like a hybrid, like stand-up comedy special with sadness, but it was so real. And you were one of only two people that basically in the last couple months since I've been now battling with this reality that I have a terminal cancer diagnosis, I'm 40 years old, this cancer is going to kill me, it's a matter of when, you are the first person that I walked through the door and I said, I got to talk to her. I got to talk to her because hearing you and I haven't gotten there yet. And that's what I want to talk a little bit about, but I've got to find a way to process this in the way that I process shit myself, right? In my voice, with my humor and my wit and my sarcasm and my authenticity, because I have been, you know, as you said, like, not wanting to get my sadness, my sad over every, on all over everybody. Um, and yeah. I've been very respectful of that. But as a result, it is an incredibly isolating experience to not feel like you can be yourself in processing pretty much the heaviest shit that one could ever process. And oh man, Allison, I just want to hear about you because I did the easy thing. I lived. And you are doing the hard thing that Aaron did, which is like this huge transition where no one can tell you what it will be like. And all you can think is like, I'm going to, what am I going to (laughs) miss? Like, what am I going to miss? And and there's such a need for, there's this relentless need for positivity and we demand it of the sick. We demand it of the suffering. People want to be like, yeah, yeah, but like you met Alison. She's like still so positive. She's still like so funny. And it's like, yeah. It's like, uh, yes, sometimes outwardly you are that. Aaron was that. I am that. We all are that. And also, can we let the hard stuff have a say? Yes. Like, which is you are doing a very hard yes. thing. This sucks. And I'm fucking sorry. I'm frigging sorry. Thank you. Also, I appreciate that. Like, to be honest, too, like <laughs> my uh urgency last week or when someone was like just write down your top 10 explain why and like let let the world and let your connections let your friends like let them work it out while you're trying to just stay distracted this week waiting for this news and I was like fine and I just threw it together and I threw it out there and like to be like totally candid because I got the great news on Friday that yes I still have to deal with the new fucking brain tumor and whatever that just means more radio 
that means more stereotactic radiation. It means all these crazy steroids that are really tough on my system and basically awaken the dormant, apparently hyperactive ADHD kid that I've been like stifling down and learning how to manage for 40 years um, and makes it impossible, really hard to sleep and like all this stuff. But I'm like, I can deal with that. We'll, we'll fix. And I'm super scared about the brain stuff because my brain, my brain's my motor, right? What I'm trying to say is there was, there were so many questions that I wanted to ask you when I didn't know last week what the call I was going to get, right? The call, because I wanted to ask you, I wanted to get into the later stage stuff, Mm -hmm. right? Of, you know, what it was like for you and Aaron as a couple, right? Mm -hmm. What it was like for you as a partner, because I have Mm -hmm. a partner too. Mm -hmm. Um, What it was like just, just from the, the whole experience. Right. And, and, um, and right now, because I am literally decompressing hour by hour from the trauma that I just basically went through over the last week after this good news on Friday, I am staying in the moment and going, Mm -hmm. let's, this could have gone so different. Mm -hmm. I got time, baby. I got, I got time. I got time. I got shit to do. I got people to help. I got a message to spread. Like, it's go time. And the universe basically just said, here's your ticket. Have a freaking kick-ass ski season. Go get those, go talk to those people. Have incredibly compelling conversations that other people aren't having with them. Right. And go, go, go change, go change things. Right. Like that's where I am right now. That's the gratitude that I feel and have felt for the last 48 hours with a shit eating grit on my face where nothing can get me down. Because when you are like, just like, I just want to fucking live. I just want to live. Not a long time even, but just please give me the space. Give me the time and space to do the thing that I think I am here to do. I got that. I got that on Friday. And as a result, I hope this isn't the last time you and I talk because I would like to ask about some of those things. Mm -hmm. I just don't want to cloud the gratitude Mm -hmm. that I have today of being in the moment and um, with the fear and the, 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 the questions and the, because I was just given some time back. Right. Um, And I'm sorry if I'm emotional. Oh yeah. How dare you? How dare you? Uh, please pull it together. Um, what, what are you here to do? Um, I've always felt, and it's funny again, the uh, diving into your content once I sort of heard the Ted talk and I was like, who is this person? And it didn't, let me get into this business. Um, you know, I too, and you, I've heard you talk about this. Um, I've always had, uh, I've been a, a real high achieving um, go getter, right? Since I was younger. So I have always felt from a young age, one, a sense of urgency. I talked about it in my TED talk where I was like, um, I kind of feel like I've always had the um, the white rabbit from Alice in Wonderland, the uh, mm-hmm. running around with my stopwatch going, very I'm, late. I'm late, I'm late, I'm late. This, 
you know i also love like broadway musicals and musical theater and like that's a whole nother thing um but i've always had this um anxiety urgency that i'm i'm missing something i am not where i'm supposed to be and i don't mean like in terms of time i'm very punctual but like there's there's something there's something i gotta go do right as I grew into an adult, the anxiety of a as a kid of being run by this kind of internal clock that was kind of like tick 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 tick, tick, tick constantly, which led to a lot of anxiety as a kid, um, and was a fantastic fantastic um, recipe for substance abuse and um, a whole fun slew of problems that happened. You know, as I got older, um, as I got sober. I kind of channeled that. Um, then it became more of a purpose-driven spiritual whisper inside me that was like, Psst, like you're meant for something bigger. And it started in my twenties and I just became this like total seeker. And it was everything from Chopra to, you know, Anne Lamont to, not so much Oprah because it felt too mainstream, but um, you know, it moved into to Liz Gilbert and, you know, Brene and then the modern voices of like a Glennon and, you know, but also like Pema Chodron. Oh, the greatest, the world's greatest. You got it. I, have you met her? No, heavens no. I would have, I, I, you would know because I would have dropped dead. So. <laughs> well, she's on my list. Doesn't she live in Colorado? You got to make that happen. But of course, I'm going to make it happen. Yeah. Yes. I have all these, uh, all of her books like lining everywhere. I have, the, I buy them in multiples because I tend to like give them away, and then I'm like, wait, where was the one that I underlined? So the nice thing with the brain stuff in the last week is because I'm on all these steroids and because I literally have to like treat myself like a four year old to like wind myself down and like no screen, all the things mm -hmm. that they say, all the things that. Ariana Huffington God has always it. said to me that I make jokes about in keynotes and speaking engagements where I'm like, I'm not Ariana Huffington, like leaving my phone in the other room. Now you are. Uh, no, now I have, I've been in the last five days, I bought paper books because I'm like, I got to get back to paper books. Mm -hmm. And I remembered I love paper books because paper when books. I was reading all this like spiritual, like goodness in my twenties on this quest that I was on. I'm looking up right now at like, what else do we have up there? The Celestine Prophecy. We've got like some Eckhart Tolle, but I was never, he never like really got me. Um, oh, Victor, the freaking uh, Man's Search for Meaning, Victor Frankl. Like, well, we have very similar bookshelves. Yeah. The Seeker's Guide. Well, this is like all my stuff of like this journey I yeah. went on in my 20s when I got sober and basically was like, who am I? God? Who are you? I was on this spiritual quest as a result of being in recovery at the time. And I'm still sober. I have not had a drink in 13 years. I had an epic ugh, crash and burn that I just talked about in the last podcast episode that you'll be able to check out with Chris Heisler. Um, but basically, I was on this path, a spiritual path that was basically a calmer version of the anxiety ridden right of my youth that was basically like there's got to be something there's got to be something more 
it's got to be something bigger. And I, I love to learn. I love to just consume. I just, I, I loved it. And I went on this quest and that's the kind of stuff that I was reading. And it's so weird how everything in my life, especially in the last week, but like everything is finding itself like full circle again. And I'm going like, I have that same drive to ask those questions again, but with a different context and getting back to your original question was like, well, what do you, what do you want? What are you supposed to do here? Like, this is what I'm supposed to do. This is my purpose. My purpose is to take 40 years of this weird hybrid of everything from musical theater to freaking sports. I'm very jealous of your height, by the way. I don't want to talk about it. I didn't, I did not use it well. I didn't. I was like, I know. I, I'm aware. I've resented you since I read that the first time. And you're like, I was just so tall. So I just started lying to people when they were like, do you play basketball or blah, blah. And you were like, sure. And I was like, screw you. I did. And I always lied because I was really five, six, but I wanted to be five, nine. I, I did play. I just mostly played left bench. And I we have a basketball. And the other day I was like practicing just dribbling yeah. a basketball in our in our back patio and my husband was like oh <laughs> like it was painful to watch oh yeah he was like oh okay i was like yeah i was i was working in ball handling he was like we Aww. saw we and, like, saw pity. We it's saw. like a pity like yeah he was like, it like just, he, oh. like you know when you see someone you love doing something poorly and you're like please mm-hmm. stop i want to i want st- to still be attracted to you please stop please it, stop yeah. it. Please yeah stop. okay so like we're not gonna play like hoop we're not gonna like you're not on my hoop it up team. Just put it that way. I'm just not. I'm not. But I'll I'll keep score. I'll lose interest halfway through and uh, and be like, I'm pretty sure it was a tie. Um, what was he saying right before? Um, oh, you wanted to talk to me about some stuff, but not anymore, which I fully get. And guess what? I'll be here when you do. And also, you have my phone number. And more importantly, I will also be there for your partner. Um, and you can ask me the things that you don't want to ask in front of her. She can ask me the things she doesn't want to ask in front of you. I feel amazing knowing that there are resources that I'll be able to tap into mm-hmm. later and also offer those to other people. But for now, and wait, now we're getting back to your answer, which was what is my purpose? I always thought in that spiritual quest of my 20s, There's got to be something bigger. There's got to be something more. And instead, what I found was, oh, well, there's money Mm. and success. And that sounds great. And, you know, I kind of took that route and was like, okay, this is how this this is how I'm going to make a difference. This is awesome. And I'm going to succeed and I'm going to help younger people and I'm going to mentor and I'm going to be really passionate about that. And that's awesome. Um, And I never I didn't I didn't find the thing. And just like you know it's the it's the flip side this weird yin and yang of you know tragedy and trauma that brings all these other gifts that are just so rich and meaningful but like you'd never you'd never like impart them on anybody that you yeah. cared about Right. You'd never be like, 
Well, they're non, well, they're non-transferable. It's like you can say this, and there's no way to 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 get somebody else to peek through that keyhole until it's time for them to look. And 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 honestly, sometimes that keyhole is shut for me, and I can't see it either. And I'm like, and I'm like, life is meaningless. Why do I even bother? Like, why don't I just like, you know, I, why am I even here? And then some days, like, literally listening to you talk, I was like, this is this is why we're all here. Like we're all here for this. We're here for the same reason, which is like, let us do what we can while we can. Let us connect with each other and let us remind each other that this is going to be hard for all of us and we are all going the same direction. Death is the only certainty in life. It is the Mm -hmm. only thing that spans race, creed, color, religion, socioeconomic status. It is the only thing it's going to happen to all of us. And yet we confronting our mortality. So my purpose, the platform of no time to waste, which is obviously highly personal and now effing really literal, but no time to waste is basically about confronting mortality, right? It's about crafting a life without regrets, And it's about maximizing moments by focusing on the three things I think are most important, which is gratitude, human connection, and joy. And that's it. And it's about getting that message out there, which I already have in a small little circle. I have gotten messages from people over the last two weeks that have just been like, your message is resonating. The world needs it right now. We need, even in this crazy pandemic, to be able to be reminded of the fact that there is a purpose, there is a reason for us to be here, and we need to we need to like live life for today, so that every night when I put my head down on my pillow, if I say if I don't wake up tomorrow, I'm good, I'm good, I have no regrets. I have I have no nothing left unsaid. And you know, since kind of embracing this like no time to waste ethos and talking about it and kind of promoting it, it's like the stories that I've heard from people about how it's caused them to be more intentional with their time, to really evaluate their relationships, right? To look at those common deathbed regrets like I wish I worked less, I wish I let myself be happier. I wish I lived myself, my life for me and not around the expectations of other people. Like thinking about those things, even during a time when everyone, everything is bananas, like people need to be reminded of that more than ever. And I now feel like that I found, I found my thing. I found my message and it has nothing to do. I want nothing. I don't need, I just, I, if I can just have people become more comfortable with, as you talk about the hard stuff, right? And grief and loss and tragedy, especially other people's makes everyone really uncomfortable. If I can help people become more comfortable talking about it, and have conversations with people like you and people like the other guests that are going to be coming on the No Time to Waste podcast, which are freaking baller, by the way. Um, I feel like 
I will, I will leave this world a better place. And that is in many ways what has been whispering at me my whole life. I just never would have chosen for myself to make this kind of a sacrifice in order to have that kind of an impact. Yeah. I I would choose something easier if (laughs) given a a buffet of options. So how can I help you? Where I am today and the things that I hear you talk about, as I said, like you hearing you, hearing you talk and hearing your voice and unapologetically, or at least it appears unapologetically, you being yourself, right? Um, How do I at this stage as my closest loves Mm -hmm. of, of my life, which includes my partner, my family, but also my friends. I know friends Mm -hmm. are big, big for you. I got a, I got a whole, I got a whole squad of, uh, of my girls who are all over the country. Um, and an army behind that of former colleagues and people that I used to work with and, uh, manage and everyone else. Um, you know, how do I start to talk about my reality, which undramatically, objectively, I have terminal cancer and I am most likely going to die from this. And it could happen in a year, could happen in five or 10. The brain, the brain situation last week was not that was like not awesome. Um, but how do I start to talk about it in a way that is authentic to me, but that doesn't get my sad over everybody else, especially the people that I love most? Because I already know how much I don't know, but I already think all the time about how much pain they're going to have to process and go through. But at the same time, I also can't live in a world where I'm myself, but then I'm not myself when I talk about the situation that is my life. You mentioned that your purpose is connection, one of the three pillars. There's no connection without letting the people who want to be there in on the truth of of suffering on the truth of struggle on the truth of what it means to be uh to be sick what it means to be scared what it means to be grateful which is not at odds with grief gratitude is not at odds with anything that you are experiencing and they are not prepaying grief right now they are experiencing it just like you are you are grieving they are grieving they will continue to grieve and there's no payment plan that you can put them on there's no like discount you can give them and the way that you change the world is by letting the people who truly matter that very inner circle in on the way it really does feel cuz they want to know the truth they want your sad on them that is why they love you they are there for that purpose and you are not meant to carry it alone. What do you do if you have people in your life who do love you unconditionally, mm-hmm. but the sad or 
again, it doesn't have to mean mm -hmm. it, it right now, for example, like the closest people in my life are decompressing from the trauma that we all just went through over the last eight days. Mm -hmm. Right. And I'm very respectful of that. What do you do when I let the dust settle, but then I want to start like talking about stuff without having, without feeling like, whoa, I'm like, whoa, no, we're not ready for that. Like, mm -hmm. come on, let's not, we get, we just got great news. Let's just, and I'm not saying right now and I'm not saying next week and like mm -hmm. I'll process my own stuff and find my own, but like. Does that you know, happen or is that a fear that it could happen? Like, is there, do you feel that sort of resistance? I'm not doubting you. Um, I, I think, I, I think there are definitely people in my life that I love dearly who are very close mm -hmm. to me, who be it with toxic positivity, right? Which is that wonderful, just like, well, we're just going to hope and, ba -ba -da -ba -ba, and, ba -ba, and you're just like, yeah. Like, yeah. you know, you're like, oh, my cancer is not respons responding to like a jinx. I mean, honestly, Allison, I want for you what Aaron didn't get um, from a lot of people in his life because he felt so often like he had to take care of other people yeah. and he had to, um, it, it, he had to somehow just make it all more palatable to them. And he, he, he shouldn't have had to. And you shouldn't have to. And people can handle it. Yeah. yeah it, and it's also like anything else, which is like they're going to have to learn how to handle it. And I do think that we are we're we're very bad about about talking about anything difficult. Mm -hmm. I and I think that we can get better by practicing like very clear uh, expectations around our interactions and to say to you know, have a if you're having friends over, you're all gonna have a Zoom call. You say, "Here's here, so here's what I need from tonight's Zoom call. All I need is distraction." Or to say, "Here's what I need from tonight's Zoom call. I need to be able to say some things to you guys that are really hard. I need to be able to say things that are dark. I need to be able to tell you what this truly feels like, and to not have somebody tell me that it's okay. That uh, I just need to look on the bright side. That uh, like no, nothing empathetic ever came from should." just or but yeah. nothing. So 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 let's strike those things and to start things with a very clear expectation and also I I wish that people I wish that people were more comfortable with just sitting with yeah. it and until they are it is up to people like us to to to, <laughs> to force them I into know. it. And and I'm not a I'm not a I'm not a, you know, a mental health expert by any means, but I've noticed this. I've noticed this very, it is a very American, mm -hmm. um, it is a very American thing. It is a very, you know, uh, Christian thing. Mm -hmm. It is just this need for things to be okay, even when they're not okay. It's like fakies. It's, it's fake and it's and it trips you up as yeah. kids, right? When you're in an environment yeah. where everyone's like, no, it's fine. And you're like a child who has intuition and you're like, it doesn't feel fine. And everyone's like, yeah. then you must be crazy or bad. And you're like, yeah. wait, what? Yeah, I I I think that I want I want that for you. I really do. And I want that. What I know now after going through an intense period of anger for people who could not or would not do that, and now I know they just couldn't. They didn't just did the not tools. know how. They did not have the they didn't have the tools, yeah. they didn't have the capacity, is that they missed out. And as a result, they hurt Aaron. And that made me very upset. Yeah. And 
I want for you to surround yourself with the people who will go there and will let you go there. And that 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 lineup might be very different than you imagine it. And usually it is. Usually someone shows up and you're like, where have you been? You're great. Thank you. And and that will happen for you. And also it is okay to be to feel loss at the people who are not able to do that or do not do that with you because that is hurtful and it makes this very lonely experience even lonelier. And so I'm, and I'm mad about that. I'm mad about that for you. (laughs) So if you- I like that you're mad for me. Thank you for being effing mad for me. I want to start, I'm going to probably start passive aggressively texting people in your contacts to be like, guess what Allison doesn't need? She doesn't need you telling her everything's going to be fine. Don't be negative. Let's not talk about that. No, let's talk about it all. Let's talk yeah. about it all. Because, because that's how I, because also that's me. Mm-hmm. Like you, right? Like that's me. I talk about it all. Mm-hmm. I talk about things with raw authenticity and dark humor sometimes, and I can be a lot. And, you know, like that's, that's me. And if I can't be me in this process, which is going to be insane, what the, what? Yeah. And yeah. right. And like, you know, again, everything is fresh and, and this whole, my life right now feels so surreal. It, um, you know, on the best days, on the best days, I feel like getting back to that question of what's your purpose or, or what do you want to do? You know, I've been watching the Marvel movies with my partner. Like, so since we got the news in, in, in August, we were like, we must escape somehow. <laughs> this is crazy. I can't believe it's happening again. And um, we basically were like, yeah, can't have any real life. Um, perfect Marvel movie. And we've gotten through like 17 of them in succession. It's been like our thing. And on the best days, I watch these mo- Marvel movies and I go, I'm being asked to be a superhero. I'm being asked to be a superhero. And I love, again, I'm going to do a sports analogy you're not going to get, but with 30 seconds left, give me the ball. Okay. I want the ball, right? I thrive under pressure. I want, I I want it on me. I want to play Captain America. I want to take care of everybody else. I want to be Zen in times of crisis. Like I want to save the day. I have a hero complex that might be borderline narcissistic at times, but I back it up. And I make shit happen. Anyone that has worked with me or known me just knows that that is just in my DNA. And I feel like with this crazy, surreal situation that is not a dream and not a nightmare, although it has felt like the last week, um, this is what I'm being asked to do. I'm being asked to make the ultimate sacrifice to step up and have an impact and use my platform for good and use my connections and my professional experience to create something and have a freaking mark on the world. And I'm, I'm okay with that. I want to be okay with that. And when I think about it in a superhero context, 
I feel empowered. I feel responsible. I feel strong. You know, I don't feel weak, passive, like a patient, like a victim, because that's not me, you know? And I went, I got two tattoos three weeks ago. I got one with one of my best friends from college, NTT dubs, no time to waste, right on my wrist. And I got my spirit animal, which I've had for a long time, which is a peregrine falcon. And when I look at this now, and we watched, God, one of the Avengers movies last night. It's really good. It was like a good crossover of the Civil War. Anyway, um, but, you know, I kept looking down at my falcon tattoo and going, like, this is it, man. Like, you, you're being called up. You're being called up to be a change maker and help people and use your powers for good. And it just sucks that the ultimate cost is going to be a short life, right? But um, Sorry, when I'm looking, to, I'm writing down things you're saying. I'm just taking notes. Nora Borealis, stop taking notes on what I'm saying. Um, so you know, I think you've already. This has been everything. I have a very strong, as I think you probably do as well, I trust my inner compass. I have markers that have happened throughout my life, be it places, people, times where all of a sudden I just go, I'm standing in a moment of significance. Something about this place or this person or this time is big. And I don't know if I'm going to know the meaning of it now or later, but I have learned to trust that. And when I listened to your TED talk, I was like, I'm going to talk to her and she's going to help me in some way to better do this. And I just want to thank you for that. And I also want to pat myself on the back because again, I was totally right. My intuition was spot on. And I knew that that it would feel like this. Um, and I just want to I just want to thank you for that. And again, I'm also here to validate your intuition and to remind you that this is just one conversation. This isn't the conversation. And um, I haven't done what you're going to do. Yeah. I'm not ready to. I mean, yeah, <clears throat> hopefully I'm not going to do like we're, you know. We got, we got time. I got time now. I feel physically great. The, the freaking cancer that's in my chest, which was what caused all the issues and was the bad news that we got in August. Um, I feel physically great. I'm also on a lot of steroids. So maybe that's also. When you don't feel great though, it's like, I mean, like, where do you put that? Where do you put that? Well, I, it's, I've been in such a time warp the last like two weeks of really three weeks of just being in a state of constant distraction because, and staying in the moment, this weird hybrid mm -hmm. of like, I'm staying distracted with things that aren't like that healthy, but whatever my brain is moving with, Oh, I got to like go do my headspace and like get just like, fucking get just get into it. Mm -hmm. um, the great thing that I've told everyone is I am so grateful that I have no time to waste as this platform to build because it has kept me distracted 
but it has kept me focused on helping other people and staying out of my own yeah. way, staying out of my own head, staying out of my own anything. And for me, I, I'm Energizer Bunny, like put me on something, especially if it fuels my soul. Right. And I can hear stories of people saying, please don't stop. My, I'm sitting at the deathbed of my father-in-law right now. And I just heard that video from you. And please, you have to, please don't stop. What you're saying is causing me to live differently. Like I get messages like that from people and I'm like, if you tell me it's resonating, then I'll keep going. It's mm. not about me. This is about like, how can I take this massive fireball that is at times in, in me, right, of energy and passion and enthusiasm and skill and how can I how can I use it to help other people in a way that someone who's not a superhero can't, mm -hmm. you know? And that 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 motivates me. That motivates me, and I'm grateful for that. And I'm sure as I decompress from the trauma of the last couple weeks and settle into yet another stage, as you know, of a new normal, <laughs> right? I will begin to breathe. I will get the brain radiated over the next couple of weeks. I will come off the steroids. I will be able to rest and breathe like a normal freaking person again, even though I still run pretty, but you know, it will be at least manageable and I will be able to start to reflect and go, okay, like, what's this look like? What do I need to do? How can I help? How can I be of service? And those are the times where I believe I will not always be running on high octane espresso and I will have bad days. I just have not kind of enabled myself or allowed myself to go there emotionally recently because it's been like, can't do anything till we get everything in, in October. Like no point now. Mm -hmm. Let's just live. The whole point is live for today. Let's live for today. Mm -hmm. So I've just been like, live for today, live for today. I'm sure as I decompress, I'll start to get there. Um, and I'm lucky that my relationship, you know, with my therapist, it's, it's whatever I, right now it's, it's been whatever I kind of need in, in those sessions and, and not yeah, heavy emotional good. work because my life is heavily emotional right now. Yes. <laughs> but it's a good day to be alive, man. It's a great day to be alive. And you know, I couldn't, I, I can't express the gratitude of flip-flopping so quickly from that worst case scenario to, oh my God, there's two feet of snow outside my house in Boulder. And, you know, I, I there's a bunch of freaking snow on my car and I'm cold and, and I'm, I'm smiling ear to ear because I'm like, I'm here, man. I'm here. Like, I didn't know if I was going to be here that much longer. And I'm here. And when that becomes your baseline, I told people, I was like, when you think you're in the basement and then you find a crawl space and then you find a dirt tunnel that goes to nowhere underneath it, when you can get out of that crawl space back to the basement, even you're just so happy that there's light. You know, and that's how I feel now.
note to your editor, uh, stop the episode there, swell up some music and do your credits. That was perfect. Also, I love that you're like, swell up the music. What kind of shit do you think I'm running here? It's me and a, tw- it's me and a 21-year-old. Yeah, but pull up the outro, pull up the outro, then then turn it down while you do the credits. And then- the credits? Who do you think the credits are? So what do you think? Did I interview Nora or did Nora interview me? Hmm, I was on to her though, but I didn't care. I was just grateful we didn't have to have the original conversation I planned. The heavy convo with weight and urgency and importance when I was preparing for the worst. And all I could think was, if I only get one hour to talk with Nora McInerney before I die, and I'm not throwing away my shot, I need to understand the experience from the partner's perspective in a couple who was forced to cram 30 years of love into four, and I need to hear what it was like to watch her person die. So yeah, I was uh, I was totes fine with taking a huge breath of relief and with Nora interviewing me. Uh, she's very good at it too, um, probably because she's got a hugely popular and very fancy podcast called Terrible Thanks for Asking, aka TTFA, um, which you also definitely subscribe to. And please support her nonprofit, Still Kickin', at stillkickin.co. Um, it's an incredible organization that basically helps uh, provide grants and funding to people who are going through hard stuff. Um, but if I'm really honest, I just personally blame it for a 2 a.m. steroid-fueled online shopping binge last week uh, because stillkicking.co has all this really awesomely curated swag and gifts um, that's also probably pretty great for the holidays, too. You can find all of it at our website, noraborealis.com, or follow her on Instagram at the same name. So I guess, according to Nora, these are like where the credits go. This episode was produced by Autumn Dewey. The music was free and picked by me in like an hour, like a couple weeks ago. And it's brought to you by Headspace, the meditation, mindfulness, and sleep app that isn't paying me anything, but literally saved my butt last week. And I think you all should try it. Feeling fired up? Ready to go out there and maximize your moments? Then help us get the word out. Rate and review the pod so people can find it and subscribe so you don't miss the next episode. There's no time to waste. 